The following is a presentation of AOW Productions. This program contains adult content. Listener discretion is advised. The views and opinions expressed by the hosts of this program do not necessarily stand to reflect those of this station or its management. Bringing you controversy at its best with uncensored music, comedy, and political discussion. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Outlaw Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Outlaw Radio for the 26th of June, 2021. I'm your host, Bad Billy. And yes, I did say last week that uh, I would not have a show this week because I'd be attending Highway 30 Music Fest. Unfortunately, those plans had changed and I was not able to attend the festival this year. Kind of bummed out about that, but life happens, and I will be attending next year for sure. But uh, because I'm not going this year, i got a great show lined up for you this week in just a little bit. Uh, you're going to hear an interview that I recorded with a gentleman by the name of Mike Koslick. He's the drummer of a band called Face the Fire out of the Chicago area. In the second hour, yes, it's that time I feature, I dig into the archives and I feature an AOW classic interview. Yes, uh, the second hour you'll hear the interview that I conducted with Rodrigo Gracie when I was doing the Badlands Combat Sports radio show. It's a member of the legendary Gracie family and it was awesome talking to him. That was recorded back in 2010. Yes, and... Uh, Third hour, we got the Steve solution with the icon, Stephen James. Before I get to any of that, I want to cue one of the latest songs by Face the Fire. This is called Remember What, excuse me, Remember What You're Made Of. I'll be back with the interview with Mike Koslick right after this. And we go a little something like this. Hit it. From a rented basement, because Bad Billy's mom threw him out. It's Outlaw Radio. Too late 
Hey there, thrill seeker, rocking out to the station. I hear you, you're probably even sipping on a drink right now. An average blah blah drink in a can or bottle, one that doesn't quite hit the spot for you. I'll bet you want something different, don't you? Something more. Take your shot with Cold Cock Whiskey, the best whiskey anywhere. Why? Because it's different from other liquors. Cold Cock Whiskey is herbal whiskey, 100% all natural herbs blended with aged American whiskey. No more morning after sugar hangovers from other liquors. With Cold Cock's blend of herbs, including green tea, hibiscus, ginger, eucalyptus, and more, you'll be in herbal heaven. Cold Cock Whiskey, available at spirit stores and distributors America-wide. Find one near you at coldcockwhiskey.com. Follow Cold Cock Whiskey on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Celebrate those special moments with friends. Raise your glass. Take your shot. You must be 21 or older to drink Cold Cock Whiskey. Please drink responsibly. Because there are some people out there who need practical advice. And yes, I'm talking about you. Wisdom beyond value from the desk of Mr. Holland. Winning a fight with your wife is like winning a vacation to Detroit. Don't get too excited. Ooh, is that Mr. Holland? Yes, ma'am. Room three, please disrobe. Freedom of speech Which means no one, no one, no one can stop you. Stop you. Can stop you from expressing your thoughts, sharing your feelings, speaking your mind. I can say whatever I want, whatever I feel, whatever needs to be said. That's what freedom of speech it means to me. To me. To me. To yes. us. This message is brought to you by the NAB Education Foundation, the Broadcast Education Association, the Cormac Foundation, and this station. First, there was Cranked Up Live. This is Cranked Up Live. Then, Cranked Up went Country. Today's best and tomorrow's greats. Cranked Up Country. Now, Cranked Up Live is back. This is a sizzling hot podcast. Cranked Up Live. Curtis McKinney and Brad Hennington will keep you listening, keep you laughing, and keep you coming back for more. Convicted felons will no longer be called convicted felons. Do you know what they want to call them, Curtis? <laughs> no. Justice-involved individuals is what they renamed them. Listen and download the podcasts at crankeduplive.com. Check them out on Facebook at facebook.com slash crankeduplive. Cranked Up Live. Some material may not be suitable for children under 18. I'm Nick, and you're listening to Outlaw Radio, where we say what the fuckity fuck we want. No exceptions. All right, ladies and gentlemen, you have just heard Remember What You're Made Of by Face the Fire out of Chicago. And it is my pleasure to welcome their drummer, Mike Koslick, to the show. Mike, how you doing, brother? I'm good, buddy. How are you? Doing well, doing well. Thank you very much for joining the show. Oh, dude, thank you for having me. Absolutely. So for those who are not familiar with Face the Fire, uh, why don't you uh, give the listeners a bit of background and uh, tell uh, about the band a little bit. Yeah, no problem. Um, So we are just based out of the Joliet, Illinois area. Um, We've been a band for about, it's always between six and seven years. I can never get it right. 
Um, uh-huh. So I'll just go with, with seven years because I feel like it's been so long at this point. Um, hard rock, heavy metal. Um, and there's five of us in the band, guitars, two guitarists, one drummer, one bass player, and one vocalist. Nice, nice. And uh, I got to ask, where does the name uh, Face the Fire, where did that come from originally? So originally, um, so we were in, we were making our first like EP, and this is one that we never really, we never sent it to any platforms on Spotify or Apple Music. It's just something like when we first started out, it was within that first year, and as we're in the studio with uh, our producer at the time, Nick Nativo over at Nook uh, Recording Studios in New Lenox, Illinois, um, we were sitting there talking and, you know, my guitarist and my singer were telling a story how they were around a campfire and they would jump over the fire, you know, doing crazy stuff like that. And, you know, someone said, oh man, you know, this guy Dominic almost went face first in the fire. And I hope I'm telling the story right. But so our producer turns around and says, so guys, what's the name of the band? And we kind of looked around and we're like, we have no idea. <laughs> we had no name. Um, so someone said face first in the fire. And then we're like, well, that's too long. And someone else said, what about face the fire? And we're like, yeah, sure. <laughs> so it kind of, kind of just stuck that way out of a random story being told. And thank God our producer asked us that name or asked us our name because we didn't have one at the time. <laughs> Interesting. Interesting. Oh yeah. Yeah. So one thing I I want to I want to ask that I've asked a few times before, but I'll start by saying this. Um, you know, when I first started this show, I was living up in uh, Northeast Ohio, and um, you know, whereas I I don't miss the the winters up there. I mean, the snow coming off of Lake Erie was just miserable. Uh, oh, I believe it. Yeah, but uh, the the community was great out of that area but the local music scene in the in that midwest region is just bar none the best i've ever seen i mean we've got a good music scene i'm i'm back in idaho now we got a good music okay, cool. we got a good music scene out local music scene out here you know and uh, i know yeah. there, there's some you go to texas and there's uh, some pretty good ones that i've interviewed out of there but I'm talking the stretch from maybe Iowa to Western Pennsylvania. It's, it's like a, uh, an un, a bottomless gold mine is what I, uh, the way I see it, you know, and whatever, yeah. whatever genre may be, you know, uh, country rock, metal, hip hop, what, whatever, you know, it's like, yeah, yeah that whole region is just filled with talent. You know, I mean, a lot that I've interviewed out of Ohio and then also Illinois, too. I mean, I've interviewed some uh, good ones out of Illinois, like uh, Tira Tail, um, ADD, who I don't think they're around anymore, but they were great uh, when they were around. You know, yeah. Black Market Democracy out of Chicago. But to you, okay. yeah, I, I'm, I'm dropping. Uh, yeah, I'm name dropping, but I'm, pr- I'm pretty sure you've heard those yeah. names before. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So what is it in your personal opinion about that Midwest region? Why the local music scene is so rich? It's a family, to be honest with you. I feel like um, there's just so many different bands. There's like, it's just, 
a sea of bands, you know, in Chicago at least. Um, and then also our singer Brandon actually is from the Quad Cities uh, near Iowa. And, you know, every time we play in like Moline, Illinois, it's insane. Um, and there's some great bands out there as well. Um, but yeah, like I said, it's just a family environment. I mean, every, everyone's really, um, they kind of welcome you with open arms, whatever band you're in, you know? Um, and we've never had a show where we've, you know, had, I guess the word beef or something like that. You know, we've never had problems with any other bands before. It's always been extremely cool because we all care about each other as musicians. Um, and I think that's super important wherever region you're in, to be honest with you. Um, no one's better than the next band. You know, it's, it's very, you know, you can kind of come together as one to make it all happen. You know, it's, it's kind of funny the way, the way you're, you're mentioning that too, because there was a short period of time where I lived in Memphis, Tennessee. And as you know, that's where saliva is based out of. And I got right to, on. yeah, I got to meet some people who knew, uh, Josie Scott before, um, when Saliva was just merely a garage band at the time. And, oh, wow. <laughs> and, and they, they said, uh, and this is what every one of them that knew him at that time frame said, is that uh, he was awesome during the garage days, but once he got signed to a label, he was a complete dick. Really? Yeah. I've shared the stage with Saliva. We did, it wasn't with Josie, though. It was... Um, uh, you know, this guy hopefully doesn't listen. And I don't know who the singer is now, but I know I've, I talked to him and everything like that and we, when we played with him. And I met their drummer. I mean, everyone I met in that band was super cool. I I know what you mean, though. It's kind of like when you hit the next level, right? It's kind of when you hit hit that certain, you know, you get people that are really talking about you and you kind of have to, you got to have to stay level-headed. But I'm sure there's bands out there that, you know, have turned sour um me personally i've never met any bands that have been mean towards me or anything like that which is nice <laughs> you know i've been i guess fortunate on, on that aspect well i think it's very very important to stay humble i mean uh, there's nothing wrong with um, soaring with the eagles but you don't need to shit on the pigeons <laughs> that's a good i've never heard that one that's a good one yeah no you're right though that's i agree yes <laughs> yes, you know, I mean, because, I mean, for, for why, I mean, karma's a motherfucking bitch, and, uh, you know, what comes around goes around, and uh, you can go from a signed label back to a, an indie band playing in a garage instantly if you're not careful. Oh, absolutely, and I think that's, you know, it's funny you said the whole humble part, it's like, you know, I feel like, as you know, speaking on behalf of all my bandmates, you know, that's a big thing with us, just stay level-headed, stay humble, you know, we're, we're, it's baby steps. What's happening now with us and it's, you know, getting these really cool interviews with all these, you know, awesome radio uh, stations and, and online stations and everything. We're so grateful that anyone's even picked up the song. So <laughs> it's been kind of like a whirlwind on, on that aspect. Um, That's awesome. You know, just, yeah, just the more attention we've gotten, you know, and um, like I said, man, we're, we're just super grateful that everyone, you know, everyone that's heard it has been very nice. The criticism has been great. Um, so, yeah, like I said, we're just very humble and very grateful that anyone even gives a shit, to be honest with you. <laughs> yes. Yes, I hear <laughs> you. I hear you. <laughs> um, so, I know I know you released the one full-length uh, 
album uh, in, I think, in 2018. I can't remember what it was called at the time. But I, I heard some pretty good songs on there, like uh, Seven Foot Samurai. You got, I mean, you got some catchy titles that make you want to <laughs> listen to the song, too. You know, I'm telling you, and it was funny because we didn't know. And so that album came out in, so we did that album in 17 and then Taken Enough, uh, the next single, we released that in 18. So the, the full length was 17, but um, yeah, it was, <laughs> the titles, we were, we kind of went back and forth. I was more so, hey guys, let's be serious. And the other guys, you know, some, some people are like, yeah, what more serious titles. And it kind of came down to, hey, that song is sticking. Like the stories behind it, um, Seven Foot Samurai, I don't really remember the whole story. I think we were big fans of 12 Foot Ninja at the time, the uh -huh. day we went in the studio. And we recorded that song, and we're just like, yeah, what's the song title? And Seven Foot Samurai came out of Twelve Foot Ninja, something like that, because we had just watched their music video, I think, when we first got to the studio. I, I don't remember the whole story behind that, but Hornet Killer is, I guess, a, a good one, because I don't think I was there for that session, but apparently my singer and Jose from Three Years Hollow, the one that he produced that record, um, apparently there was a Hornet in the studio, and somebody killed it. So, <laughs> and then the song... <laughs> Working titles, and then when we came to choose the titles, the actual titles, I'm like, you guys can't be serious, and they were serious. We're keeping it. <laughs> wow. <laughs> okay, sure. <laughs> now, of course, um, it. I have to ask, uh, during this uh, past year that has just totally fucking sucked for everybody, I'm pretty sure. I'm, you. I'm pretty sure you didn't get very much stage time. Uh, during this whole all this COVID bullshit, that's but that's my opinion. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, you know, what are the positives you think uh, you can take from COVID and that time frame? Honestly, <laughs> you know, for me, for the band, I, I should say it's more so. You know, we we've never been like away from each other for I guess that long because our cigarette time had a. If I remember how this went down. A pregnant wife. Um, so we were just being super cautious. We didn't want to be around each other because we didn't know what the heck COVID was at the time. Yeah. Um, and at the same time, everyone just wanted to be really careful. But on that note, you know, being the positives taken out of that was that we kind of appreciated each other just a little bit more. You know, not that we didn't ever before that, but it was like, all right, guys, like I, I kind of miss my bandmates. I, I got to see my guys, you know. Um, so it's, it's more so the fact of, how appreciative we've become of just life in general. Um, I know that we, when we were together, you know, we kind of jammed out one day and we had to do the whole six feet apart thing. We were trying to be very careful wearing all the masks and all that good stuff. And then we kind of like eased ourselves back into the writing mode. And um, at the time, I guess, remember what you're made of was already done. Remember what you're made of was supposed to kind of come out last summer. And COVID happened, so we kind of pulled the trigger to not, or, you know, pulled back on that trigger and, and didn't really, couldn't do anything. Um, so that was a negative. <laughs> I knew you said positive, but that was the big negative because I, you know, as a band, we knew how good the song was, you know, after we recorded, we knew how good it was. Um, it was just the eagerness of getting it out to everybody to hear it in hopes that everyone else liked it. Um, so, and here we are now, you're after the fact and we finally released it 
You know, it was, um, you know, I honestly, I wasn't even supposed to have a show this week uh, because I was supposed to be attending the uh, what, an event here in uh, my town called the uh, Highway 30 Music Fest, but uh, other circumstances arise and I uh, could not uh, attend this year, unfortunately, talking about a four-day music fest. But oh. last year... Uh, I don't know how the promoter pulled it off, but we managed to do it for three days last year, and I was there. Yeah, he had hand sanitizing set up, you know, all the prop. Yeah. He had he had the social distancing set up, but uh, I think it was Chris Jansen was the main act of the final night. Uh, once he right. had, once he hit the stage, there was no social distancing, and oh, uh, I believe. <laughs> the promoter, uh, who's a friend of mine, his name's Gordy. It was all over the papers, and uh, th that him and Chris Jansen and others only care about their pocketbooks. They don't care about the safety of their fans, blah, blah, blah. But guess how many COVID cases came out of that event? Or, well, I'm hoping, I'm hoping zero, but I don't know. <laughs> zero. What is the confirmed? Cool. Confirmed cases was zero. Now, yeah. I mean, yes, it, I mean, uh, like uh, four months down the line from there, I did catch COVID, and I'm like, wow, I've been sicker than this before. <laughs> yeah. yeah, oh, God. <laughs> I mean, no, it, it's, it's seriously, it didn't affect me that bad. I know other people haven't fared as well as I did, but, uh, yeah. you know, I think I'm in the majority cat category that uh, – you know, most people are, are going to get sick, but they're going to get through it pretty well. Well, we tried, man, I'll, I'll tell you, we, we did try to play one show and it just didn't pan out. We were going to do it last summer and it just, you know, we were uncomfortable, um, you know, because I was more under, you know, my personal opinion was that, or opinion was that um, you know, if, if some of these bands aren't here, and most bands aren't there playing or out there playing like last summer, I was, you know, thinking in my head, I'm like, man, we, my heart was just telling me, you know what? If they're not playing, I don't want to play. I don't want to play till, you know, till my, you know, our peers are out there doing it because it's just, it kind of slaps them in the face, you know. Yes. Um, we were just kind of, you know, we we battled hard on it in our minds about, you know, are we doing this? You know, are we doing the right thing? And it was like, you know what, we're not doing the right thing. We're gonna wait. And damn, did we wait? <laughs> we, you know, finally we we have a show in August, so. Here's a joy on that one when I first got that uh, got that text. Well, do you get that feeling personally? Do you get that feeling like I can start living again? No more of this existing bullshit. Yeah, yeah I mean, yes and no. I mean, it, it's tough with uh -huh. with with my family. You know, um, me personally. So you know, I have nieces, and you know, I have a sister-in-law that is a nurse and I'm, you know, at the time I was just being super careful. Um, I did end up getting the vaccine. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and promote to get it or not get it. That's everyone's choice. Um, but I got it. And, you know, that's just some a step that I felt, you know, at the time was necessary to take. And I'm, like I said, I'm, I am happy that we are kind of getting more to a normal, a normal lifestyle. And I'm hoping that there's no, uh, there's, you know, no, no shit happens again like this, but you know, it's life, man. Something always happens. Something's always there. Hopefully not another pandemic like this, but there's going to be something again in life. And uh, 
<laughs> Hopefully uh, you can get up there on stage without a mask, or I refer to it as a face diaper. <laughs> right. Yeah, I'm, I'm, Yeah, we're definitely not. I mean, me personally, I don't know my, about my bandmates. We didn't really text about this yet, but um, yeah, I, me personally, I'm not wearing one. I'll die up there. I'm, <laughs> I won't be able to breathe. <laughs> yeah. so, I'm already scared without a mask. I'm like, I haven't done this and we haven't played a show since January of 20. And I'm like, when I play drums now, I'm like, man, I can make it to 20 minutes without having like somewhat of a heart attack. But anything after that, you know, it's gets kind of, it gets kind of yes. sketchy. And that's me without, you know, I do backup vocals in the band too. And I do a lot of the talking in between songs and, you know, between the share of me and my singer. And I'm like, man, I don't know what I'm going to do here. I need an inhaler. I need something. <laughs> <laughs> I, need, I need an ice bucket. I need to be fully prepared for this. So, <laughs> Yes. Now, um, just uh, going back uh, prior to uh, when, once you got everything started, you came out with that full-length LP. LP. Uh, did you uh, Have you had the opportunity to travel outside of Illinois, go elsewhere? And, and play or had the opportunity to tour with anyone? So I personally, so Face the Fire has not. We've played, like I said, we played, I mean, I was still in Illinois and Moline. Um, we did Wisconsin once or twice. Actually, no, I'm sorry, we did Wisconsin twice, so I know that. We did Summerfest in Milwaukee, which was one of the coolest shows ever. The exposure there, you know, it was a stage that you had to walk through. Like, people had to walk through, like, our stage to get to, like, other stages <laughs> it was perfect place nice perfect place. but um other than that no we never we've never toured yet um you know that that is the plan at some point we just don't know when um i'm thinking next year we'd really consider it i mean we're still there's still songs to be made and songs to be cranked out after remember what you're made of so um i've personally played shows outside like i've done um or outside of illinois i did um, where did I play? Spring, Texas was one. I played in Memphis at the Hard Rock nice. uh, Cafe, which is awesome. Right across from, I think, was that BB King's on Beale Street. Oh, yeah. I know what and, you're talking about. Yeah. So I did that and I did Jackson, Tennessee. And I still stand by this that Tennessee has the most loyal freaking music people in the country, <laughs> so, in my opinion. It's no disrespect to Chicago, but. Tennessee was just on another level of just appreciating music. Anything you could, you could sit there and sing acapella and sound like shit. And they'd be like, man, do you want a drink? Well, the thing, <laughs> Here's, you know, yeah, I mean, you got to look at, look at Tennessee as a whole, you know, I, and, yeah. and it's the birthplace of, of like a few different genres. I mean, yeah. I mean, um, obviously Memphis I mean, they call it home of the blues for a reason, you know, and you got Elvis, you got B.B. King, you know, and mm-hmm. pretty much you can make the argument that hip hop started out of Memphis, too, because for a while it's uh, been the highest uh, population of African-Americans in one city. I don't know if that's oh. I don't know if that's the way it is now, but uh, de- yeah, definitely used to be. And. Also, I mean, Nashville, I mean, anybody who wants to sing country, where do they go? Yeah. And, uh, of course, I mean, you go further east into Knoxville and you got got the roots of bluegrass. So you're talking about the birthplace of, uh, of a melting pot 
of uh, genres. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And like I said, Tennessee, off the chain, 100%. I would do it again in a heartbeat. And, you know, I'm going to have to talk to my guys about that one. <laughs> get, yeah. my, get face to face in Tennessee. I think that's a, uh, I think it's a must. There's a few places that we're like, hey, we're going to do it. When we're going to do it, I don't know, but it's going to happen. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now I'm going to, I want to ask you, uh, the stumper here. This is something my former co-host started and I like to keep it go for going for him and a uh, question that makes you think, but let's yeah, say, sure. let's say face the fire has just made it really big and you're, you're hitting the charts. Now you're going to go on a big tour, going to go, go coast to coast, uh, Canada a bit, Mexico a bit, uh, even travel globally. Some you have Three opening slots of bands or musicians you'd like to have open for you. Who do you pick? Who do you pick? And it could be anybody, past or present. As, and they got to open for us. Yes. Oh man! Okay. Oh, told you, like stumper. <laughs> yeah, because that's like reverse psychology. I'm like, oh, easily Queen is a band on there, but I'm like, wait, why are they opening for Face the Fire? No offense to us, but what the hell? Um, so. I'll say I'll put Queen on there. You said past or present. I'll put Queen uh-huh. um, from the past. I think Freddie Mercury is just a, one of my favorite vocalists on the planet. Uh, he was um, awesome. So I'll put Queen. Oh, insane legend. Um, so I'll say Queen. I'll say Seven Dust. And oh, man, that, that's a good question. The third one. Who would I put? Um, oh, and I have to pick one. It's like why? You know, I'm gonna go with a newer band. I'm gonna go with. Uh, a band called Fire from the Gods. I think I've heard of them. Yes. Oh, they're insane. Yeah, they're from Texas, man. They uh, they've been around for a few years, um, and they're just insane, man. They're it's great guys working their asses off right now, trying to do everything they can to keep afloat and keep the music rolling. So, yeah, yes. those are my three choices: Queen, Seven Dust, Fire from the Gods. All you make right. you're making me rethink. Wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> and. Um, uh, sticking with the subject of touring for you, where is that dream stage for you? Where would you absolutely love to play anywhere here in the U.S. or globally? Oh, man. <laughs> you know, it's good questions. I love it. Um, anywhere. I said, you, you should have told me before we did the interview. I would have had these answers right away for you. <laughs> <laughs> um, man, I, any, uh, any stage. Honestly, I... I grew up liking this festival called Rock on the Range in Ohio. Oh, so I'm going to say Rock on the Range. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I've heard of that uh, quite a few times. <laughs> I'll, do rock, I'll say Rock on the Range because that was one yeah. festival that I was like, oh, man, one day I hope to be on that festival. Mm-hmm. So I'll go with that one. So as I was listening to uh, your music there, I was, I was listening to the uh, full-length EP, EP as well as you know, listening to uh, remember what you're made of. I kind of get that 2000s vibe, you know, like Lincoln Park a little bit uh, and other bands. But who would you say are your uh, main influences? For me personally, I would say Seven Dust is number one. Um, growing up being a huge Seven Dust fan, and you know, you know, <laughs> saying you know, staying watching Morgan Rose drum videos forever, you know. Um, so I'll put Seven Dust as like probably the main influence for me. Um, I can't even think of any other ones, but just 
drumming wise, it's it's easily Seven Dust, Morgan Rose. Mm. You, do you personally you take any influence uh, from some somebody like uh, like Keith Moon or uh, Vinnie Paul? I they're pioneers in you know in the metal and, and rock world and everything like that. They're 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 legends, honestly. But honestly, no. I I mean I listen to Pantera. Don't get me wrong. Um, especially you know Vinnie Paul, hell of a drummer, one hell of a drummer. But yeah, not really of the old style. Really, it, it was like I said, it started with Morgan. And, you know, even John Otto from Limp Bizkit. I mean, those are kind of the grooves I grew up on. Um, so, and, you know, and there's a lot of new drummers out right now. They're just totally insane. There's a, a new genre out there, or a newer genre called Gent. So bands like Periphery. Um, and those drummers are just out of this world, you know. You know, and it's still to this very day, I have not seen anybody uh, other than John Bonham play a drum set with his bare hands instead of using the <laughs> sticks. He's the only person I've ever oh. seen do that. Yeah, my, my dad, you know, he's honestly, uh, he's a huge, my dad's a huge Zeppelin fan, and, you know, he's always talking about John Bonham. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's another legend right there that uh, you just can't, oh, cannot forget. <laughs> Oh no, not at all. Yeah, I, I have yet to see another. Um, like I've seen, I've seen other uh, guitar players take a violin bow to their guitar, but uh, still, the only one to play with his bare hands. I'm, uh, I mean, I, I, I can do you a favor. I can, you know, I can attempt it. Yeah, <laughs> <I can laughs> not saying it'll be any good, but you know, in the next show, I'll tell you what. I'll take a video and I'll try to. <laughs> I'm trying to do stuff with my hands. I don't know what it's going to sound like, but. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I wasn't challenging you, but if you want to take it that way, <laughs> I'd love to oh, see no, it. <laughs> no. Yeah, I might fail. You know, John Bonham's the legend, man. He's, he's the king right there of that kind of stuff. Me, not so much. <laughs> <laughs> now you just need the drumsticks. That's, yeah, and I got to tape them to my hands because I'm always throwing them around when I play. <laughs> Oh, I've heard a few drummers have done that, but, uh, yeah. Yeah, that's Morgan Rose kind of thing from Seven Dust, watching him play and stick twirl and stick throw and just be a absolute goof on stage. And I'm like, yeah, I want to act like that. <laughs> whatever it was, you know, when I play, it's like, whatever comes to mind and I'll just do it. And I don't really care how, you know, how dumb I look. It's like, Music, I feel like, you know, music, if anything, Morgan taught me that music's a feeling, you know? Yes. Um, especially when you're playing an instrument, man, um, in front of a crowd and everything. If you don't feel it, you know, I'm not going to say you're not a musician, but it's, I'm always curious, you know, it's got to make it kind of tough. Really to, tough. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> to continue to do what you do. So I, I don't know, but that's just me personally. It's, it's a feel. Now, uh, I'm going to ask one of my favorite questions here. Um, yeah. Now, this doesn't matter if you're uh, playing some shithole, hole-in-the-wall, dirty dive bar out in the middle of nowhere, Kentucky, that holds about uh, 25 people maximum capacity, if you're lucky. Or, yeah, right. <laughs> or you've booked out Madison Square Garden. What is the craziest thing you think you have witnessed while performing on stage? And mind you, I understand being a drummer. The drummer's the backbone of the band, but sometimes uh, they have the worst seat on the stage when it comes to the crowd. 
Yeah. Um, craziest thing that I've seen. Can it be craziest thing that I've done? No, it can't. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess I'll do that. I'm just thinking now you're making me think again here. <laughs> um, we played, and it's funny you bring up shithole places, and I'm not saying it's a shithole, but it was very, it was, the, it was like the last day it was open. Um, it was a place in Chicago. I can't really, I don't want to go into detail of the name and everything like that, but it was a place we played in Chicago, and it was a one-time deal. We only played it once, and like I said, the doors of that venue closed the next day. Um, if I remember correctly, we didn't, I think the sound guy left. <laughs> like mid-show left. He was gone. Um, I never came back. So I don't think we had a sound. I think we had like somebody from another band, um, doing sound for us that show, if I remember. Um, but anyway, so I'm like, I'm thinking in my head, okay, there's like <laughs> the only people that were there. I think there was like 10 people and they, the 10 people were another band. And I think like two of my bandmates, girlfriends or wives. <laughs> so that's who came out to that show. And I'm like, well, let me do something stupid. And if I mess up, thank God, the only people that are going to see me is a band that I'm good friends with and my bandmates wives. So I decided mid mid song to throw a drumstick out to the other band, to the drummer of that band. I threw it to him when I was playing and I said, all right, throw it back. And he's like, what? And I'm like, just throw it back. <laughs> like, well, let's see if I can catch it. And I ended up, he threw it back, perfect freaking throw. And I ended up catching it. <laughs> and kept playing and didn't miss a beat. So I'll say that is the craziest thing. <laughs> Ain't nothing wrong with that. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that. I was like, man, now let's do this in front of a shit ton more people. <laughs> <laughs> so right. What's that? I'm sorry. No, I, I was going to say, yeah, I've done it a few extra times that shows that there's been a few, quite a few people at, but yeah, that, the first time I did it, I'm like, all right, now that I know I can do it. <laughs> That was crazy. Let's do that again. <laughs> yes. And uh, final question. So let's say a group of kids ages 15 to early 20s, um, they approach you and tell you that they're starting a band, they're going to get break into the business. What advice do you think you'd give them? Don't do it. Okay. <laughs> 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 Yeah, no, definitely be strong-minded. Um, we'll be open-minded for one and be, be aware like that. There's more for one, enjoy yourself, what you're going to do. Like if, with music, like if you're starting a band, number one rule I believe is just have, make sure you're having fun and make sure you have the right bandmates. Um, that's huge. You know, and I, like I've told you earlier about being humble and grateful and I, Absolutely. me personally, and I, I'm going to speak on my bandmates on this one. It's like, we're grateful that we have each other as bandmates because there's bands out there that, you know, through the grapevine, I've heard that they don't get along, you know? Um, so, but yeah, that would be the number one thing is have fun and make sure you have the right bandmates. Um, cause anything after that, if you're not having fun and you don't have the right bandmates, then, Better look for some new bandmates. <laughs> yes, indeed. <laughs> well, that's but, yeah. all, that's all the questions for you. I okay. uh, I'm about to head to a music set here in just a little bit. Uh, before I get to that, sure. uh, why don't you uh, let the listeners know where they can find you? Give yourself a plug. You got a website, social media, Reverb Nation, iTunes, Spotify, and all that good shit. 
Yeah, so we have a Facebook, um, and it's just, I'm pretty sure you just type in Face the Fire, we should be there. You'll mm-hmm. see the new single, Remember Potato, on the cover as our profile picture. Um, and then also, I know that we have an Instagram. I think that should be, let me double check what the actual name is on there, just so no one, I'm not steering anybody wrong. Uh, that's Face the Fire Official for Instagram as well. And then also YouTube, Face the Fire Official. Um, we don't have a Twitter, and we are not trending with the TikToks just yet, but I'm, I'm sure we're going to get on that very soon. So that is where you can find us. Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube are the biggest ones, and obviously on Spotify and Apple Music, and um, I think it's Amazon, I think Amazon Music and all that good stuff. All right. Well, I want to thank you very much uh, for your time here on the show. I want to wish you the best of luck in your future endeavors. And I'm pretty sure uh, it's uh, not too far in the distant future you're going to be uh, releasing another uh, single uh, soon. Oh, yeah. Yeah, maybe not. I don't know how soon, but (laughs) we're going to enjoy this one for a bit. Remember what you're made of, and, you know, we're going to get to it, so... All right. Well, once again, hey, thank you so much, and best of luck to you. Hey, thank you so much, man. It was great. Keep in touch. You bet. You take care. All right. You too. Thank you. All right. There you have the interview with Mike Koslick of the band Face the Fire out of Chicago. We're going to hit a music set here. Got three more songs by Face the Fire, plus I have Aaron McAndrew and India Morell in the mix. Be right back after this. This is the kind of thing that just tickles my balls. You're listening to Outlaw Radio, and if you don't agree with our opinions, then fuck your mother. Hey, do you kiss your girlfriend with that mouth?
Don't ever marry a white woman in California. A lot of you sisters probably don't marry a white woman anyway, nigga. Why should you be happy? <laughs> sisters look at you though like you killed your mama when you're out with a white woman, don't they? You can't laugh that shit off either. <laughs> She's not with me. My wife went to court, man. She looked like she was 12 years old. I said, who is that bitch? And your honor, everything happened. The judge started crying. <laughs> Nigga, we want everything. Do you have any dreams? We want them too.
she wanted to be with me forever. So I'm like, I gave it to her. Figured I'd turn her out first, then I explained it to her later. Why she's feeling the way she's feeling now. Listen. Me think I'm the world, but she don't know I'm from a different world. I haven't bit it yet, but tonight I might just go and bite a net. Get a taste in the morning, welcome baby to my set. She feeling off now, nah, baby, you on. You like me now, this your life, dust till dawn. That feeling in your stomach, don't fight it now, stop running. Your life is mine, you're immortal, no more counting time. You said you want forever, so I gave it to you. Vampire life, baby, I just gave it to you. I couldn't tell you who I was. So I showed it to you No more begging for love It's eternal It's flowing through you That old me is dead The new me is better The old you is gone See I just created better Don't worry about the weather We will forever shine When I say forever Cause baby There's no end of time There's no end I always knew It was you You Made me like this You into a vampire But you know <laughs> I'm not mad at you Yes I said I want it forever And yes I was in love with you But You took my life And for that I wouldn't ever Forget Now get out Before I take yours <laughs> I love you <laughs>
and again Everything we are We know that we can take a piece Of this time with us again no other feeling than strapping up or grabbing those kettlebells, grappling on the mat, or doing some shadow boxing, getting knocked down, getting back up, throwing strikes, and then doing it all over again. So when you hear someone scream, gear up, you better get ready, because it's just you, your Hunter Athletic Gear, and the voice telling you to train harder. No matter how much experience you have, Hunter Athletic Gear stands with you all the way. Their products are engineered for utmost comfort, protection, and speed battle after battle hunter athletic gear is the brand celebrating your victory hunter athletic gear has a range of great training and fight gear for men and ladies including compression pants fight shorts hoodies vests caps and bikinis they can create custom branded ranges for your gym or business visit their website at huntermma.co.za gear up and let's train 
What news and information are your media dollars buying when the narrative is prescribed by the advertisers? Scripted lies, media brainwashing, and thought control. Take back your voice. Take back our media. But most of all, take back our First Amendment. Subscribe to Caravan to Midnight today for hard-hitting commentary free from political correctness and media bias as I and some of the most intelligent and interesting people on Earth delve deep into what really lies beyond the headlines. Three to four-hour uninterrupted and uncensored information. Join our CTM family today. Join the movement. Join the fight for freedom and independence. Caravan to Midnight is media for the people, by the people, independent of commercial obligations or influence. For less than a cup of coffee per month, you can make a difference. Let the people fund the next news network. Help us grow. Help us create a platform where we place freedom of speech and thought first. Join the family at caravantomidnight.com. A well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. This is the Second Amendment of the United States of America's Constitution. This Second Amendment, the right of law-abiding Americans to privately own and possess firearms, is under attack like no other time in America's history. Joe Biden and Kamala Harris have pledged to take away your Second Amendment rights through gun bans, gun confiscations, and government regulations. Even a gun tax. Do not take this lying down. The time to take action and fight to protect your Second Amendment rights is now. Join the Second Amendment Foundation, the oldest and largest nonprofit foundation focused on protecting your Second Amendment rights. For more information, to join or to donate, visit saf.org. Chaz Mitchell Custom Hats makes and sells custom hats with a Western influence. These hats are not cheesy, one-size-fits-all, except they're not cowboy hat knockoffs. Chaz Mitchell will custom design and build a genuine hat just for you, the way you want it. Chaz will actually measure your head, talk with you about the hat you desire, make it, and deliver it to you. You'll make a statement every time you put on your hat. Originally from Jigs, Nevada, Chaz Mitchell grew up cowboy and alongside his father, Waddy Mitchell. They built their first hats together at a workshop in Elko, Nevada. Chaz recalls his father once telling him, make a hat he would be proud to wear. After years of practice and studying hats and their owners, Chaz knows what makes a good hat maker. It's understanding that a hat doesn't only fit the circumference of the head, but also the personality of the owner. Get in touch with Chaz today, and he'll build you a hat you will be proud to wear. Visit Chaz Hats, that's C-H-A-Z-H-A-T-Z dot com. Yo, baby, you've had your ass only by Fat Man in an overcoat? You're listening to Outlaw Radio. Now buy a sewing machine, take it home, and cram it up your ass. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Outlaw Radio, brought to you by Cold Cock Whiskey. Raise your glass, take a shot. You must be 21 years of age or older to drink. Hunter Athletic, gear up, let's train, and USAC, the United South Africa Coalition. Go to USAC.center for more information. The songs you just heard, you just heard Face the Fire with Hornet Killer. Before that, India Morrell with A Vampire Story. Before that, Face the Fire with Taken Enough. Prior to that, Aaron McAndrew with Skeleton of Life. 
And starting off the whole set, face the fire with Seven Foot Samurai. All right, in just a little bit, you will hear the interview that I recorded back in 2010. Yes, uh, the days when my production was done with a computer and a telephone, no microphone, no mixer, none of that. Um, yeah, with uh, Rodrigo Gracie. Yes, in just a little bit, you'll hear that interview. Before we get to that, it is time to reveal... The Outlaw Radio Idiot of the Week. And ladies and gentlemen, the Outlaw Radio Idiot of the Week this week is Chelsea Wolf. Chelsea is a transgender uh, man. I'm going to say a man. He and he he is competing in women's BMX racing on in the Olympics. How sad is that? But what's even worse, this total woke piece of garbage has the ambitions of wearing a, uh, getting a gold medal in the Olympics and burning an American flag while they're on the podium accepting their medal. How fucking... It's already bad enough that I, I'm not going to agree with uh, with uh, transgender women competing in women's sports, and this is not a woman. That's a fucking man. And then you want to disgrace us even more by that. That's a fucking, fucking ridiculous. Anyway, that's going to get me hot under the collar, so I better stop there. And like I said, from 2010, here's the interview with Rodrigo Gracie that I did on the Badlands Combat Sports Radio Show. Digging deep into the history of AOW Productions, this is an Outlaw Radio AOW Classic. Very special guest this week, who I welcome with honor, member of the legendary Gracie family, if you know jiu-jitsu, you know who the Gracies are, and I'd like to welcome Rodrigo Gracie. How you doing? Uh, doing good, man. Thanks for having me over here. Appreciate uh, it. Thanks for being here and, and uh, getting the chance to hear the story from, from one of the founders of, of the family of mixed martial arts. Um, it's a real pleasure having you here. Well, Rodrigo, I'd like to uh, start out... Uh, was, uh, you know, the, the Gracie family is is very deep, and uh, where exactly who who was your father, uh, and uh, who who was his grandfather? Okay, my 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 father is Rayolson Gracie. He actually actually has a school uh, in Las Vegas, and my oh. grandfather is the the the, one, uh, the, the founder of Gracie Jiu Jitsu, uh, Carlos Gracie. Ah, Carlos Gracie Sr., correct? Yes. Okay. And that, that would be Alio's older brother, correct? Y yes, yeah. Okay. And uh, as we know, all members of your family start training jiu-jitsu at a very, very, very young age. Uh, how old were you the first time they put a gi on you and uh, put you on the mat? I was four years old. 
Like my my dad put me in the gi, and I thought I was just uh, playing around with him, but he actually he was showing me moves, you know, jujitsu moves, you know, self defense moves. So, so I started very young. <laughs> Yeah, and, and uh, as, as all members, it's pretty much as if you watch the UFC, they pretty much say uh, a Gracie hits the mat the minute he can walk. To, you, you say you were four years old. Well, and uh, this was back in uh, Rio de Janeiro, correct? Yes. Okay, and uh, tell me, when did uh, you, yourself, when did you um, make the move from uh, Brazil to the U.S.? Uh, first time I came to the U.S., uh, I was 18 years old. I actually uh, came to help my dad out because he, uh, he just opened up a school in, in Corona del Mar in Orange County, California. Uh-huh. Wow. And um, I just have to ask, what was, what was your impression uh, making, uh, making the move from, uh, from Brazil to, to uh, over here to the U.S. when you first came over here? Yeah, it was, uh, it was a lot different because uh, I don't think at that time, I think it was uh, 1991, nobody uh, knew much about it. Uh, some martial arts people, they were really into the martial arts, they heard about it, uh, the Gracie Brothers. I don't know, there were some magazines out there uh, talking about uh, the family, but it was nothing compared, uh, you know, after the UFC. I think in 90, 1993, when my cousin Hoyce uh, fought in UFC, that's when the people really start uh, to know uh, who was the, the Grace family. And uh, I just have to ask you that uh, we're... Were you there that night in Denver when uh, Hoyce won the first uh, Ultimate Ultimate Fighting Championship? No, no, I wasn't. Uh, you, you weren't there with I'll... Dixon or, or Horion or any of them? No, I wasn't. I was watching on TV with my dad. Yeah, I wasn't. <laughs> and the first time that uh, Gracie Jiu-Jitsu really got exposed to... Uh, to the U.S. and uh, pretty much that night is what changed the whole face of martial arts completely. Or I shouldn't I shouldn't say that. It, it took a little bit more time than that, but that's when it began. Um, how did you feel knowing that uh, your cousin was, was about was about ready to redefine what what martial arts was known as at the time? Yeah. Well, I. My dad used to tell me that back in 1920s, 1930s, uh, you know, his, uh, his dad, you know, my grandfather and uh, Elio, they were doing that back in Brazil. And, you know, our, my uncle also, Carson Gracie, was doing that in the 50s. So, and then, like, we were very known in Brazil, but then once we got to the U.S. and it was on TV, he actually, he got world famous. We pretty much, we, uh, I think what we did was to open the eyes of the people, you know, and, uh, open the eyes that they have to have uh, uh, grace jiu-jitsu in their, in their training, in their martial arts training. Like it's essential, oh. you know, to have uh, ground fighting uh, on your game. Well, I want to take take a quick moment to to uh, I, w I want you to understand as well is that uh, back when I first discovered uh, the UFC and Gracie Jiu Jitsu, I, 
mind you, I'd always had a lifelong interest in martial arts, but I myself had never heard of this style of fighting, or this, I didn't even know this type of martial art even existed. I, I wrestled in high school, but uh, along the time that uh, the UFC first came around, I didn't know about it. I was messed up at the time. I, I was messed up in drugs and hanging out with the wrong people, and uh, basically... A friend of mine showed me a, a videotape said, hey, you ever heard of Hoist Gracie in the UFC? And it opened my eyes right there and and really gave me gave me a good reason why I really wanted to quit doing what I was doing and uh, pursue something. And then a year later, I was training with uh, Pedro Sauer affiliate in Twin Falls, Idaho. So. Yeah. That's my. So a lot of people ask ask me how did I get started. Well, there's your answer for for those of you that are listening out there. But uh, I saw Hoist. I saw what he was doing. Saw he wasn't the biggest guy. And he wasn't the most. Uh, he didn't have the most impressive physique there. But yet he's whooping everybody. And so I was like, whatever he's learning, I I want to learn some of that because this is the real thing. And uh, I yeah, just have well, to ask you. People like me yeah. who who step up and want to learn this and uh, you know leave the leave the bad life that they're leaving. How does that make you feel that uh, you know that it was part partially your family that gave people like me that kind of inspiration? Yeah, I'm very uh, grateful, you know, for the respect that people uh, give us uh, today for. Uh, you know, what we've done, we didn't invent anything, you know, we just uh, opened the eyes of the people and uh, we are very grateful for, you know, for the respect that people, you know, give us uh, today, you know, so I'm very glad to live in this country, I'm, you know, I became a citizen and I, I teach uh, law enforcement, you know, special forces, you know, uh, I go all over uh, the world teaching and people are very respectful. People are, you know, uh, they willing to learn, uh, listen. So uh, I'm very grateful. I'm very happy. Hey, that's excellent. I want to ask you, uh, when did you first started competing in uh, tournament jiu-jitsu or, or submission grappling? Because I knew, I knew you did that a little bit of that before you actually started fighting in uh, mixed martial arts or Valley Tudo or... I started competing since I was a kid. I, my my first tournament was uh, was seven years old, uh, and, and I did like gi competitions. And then uh, when I moved to the U.S., uh, you know, training with my dad. Then I went to New York, training with my cousin Hanzo, which I, I was competing. Uh, you know, no gi uh, tournaments like uh, Naga. And then I went to uh, the Abu Dhabi, uh, won the Abu Dhabi in '98. Um, and then I think it was after the year 2000 I started fighting uh, uh, MMA and I think it was 2005 I moved to California and started training with my cousin Hoyce Excellent, excellent. Yeah, I've, I've watched a good deal of your fights too. No, you don't. You don't have a lot of fights like a like a lot of fighters out there do. You you face some tough competition too. We'll, we'll get into that here in a little bit. Um, or I I have to say, um, watching you compete in the uh, Pride Bushido over the Gracies Gracies versus Japan and. Uh, that that was just excellent to watch right there too. Um, I just uh, I can't remember though who was your opponent in that particular uh, event. 
Um, my opponent was uh, Takazi. Okay. Yeah, he actually uh, the fight before uh, they put me against him because he beat uh, Anderson Silva on, uh, on Pride. He yeah. finished uh, Anderson Silva with a triangle and then they put me against him. I won by decision. It was a very tough fight. You know, it was you know, it was some fun times with when they when Pride used to be, you know. Uh, they used to have in Japan Pride was a great competition. Uh, I remember they used to have the best fighters, you know, uh you know, over there. Yeah, and they they also had some of the toughest rules too. I mean, uh it's very similar to the old uh, Valetudos they used to have in Brazil where, where the, stomping, yeah. the stomping to the head and the soccer kicks were legal and the knees yeah, on the Yeah, the knees, knees to the head, yeah. Now, uh, probably uh, your most uh, notable loss on your record is, is to, uh, of course, the current uh, lightweight champion, B.J. Penn. You fought him in Hawaii, and uh, he gave you a pretty good fight, too. And But uh, you gave him a pretty good fight as well. I mean, there's, I don't think you have anything to be ashamed of in that loss. Um, but uh, what... That was your first fight in a cage, and I do have to ask you, because you've been fighting in Japan with different rules in a ring the whole time. Uh, was it a little bit yeah. different stepping into a cage? Uh, yeah, it was, was a little bit, not that much. You know, I was I was training. I actually, I was training on the ropes. I, I thought when, uh, when they actually they scheduled the fight with BJ, I thought it was going to be uh, in the ring, actually. And then uh, I think it was, um, like, maybe five weeks they said that oh no it's going to be in the cage so then I just just change and start you know um, training in the cage it's, it's not a big difference you know, the only difference is I think uh, the ring has the corners and uh, and you gotta it's different takedowns you, you have to do because uh, it's not like I think the cage is easier to take the guy down you press him against the cage you know then the ropes the ropes kind yeah. of give in so I guess uh, you know. I mean, if you're fighting, you're training. It's it's not very hard to adapt. You know, you just if you're training all the time, you know, you should should be able to to uh, you know get used to the environment, get used to the ring or cage. It doesn't matter. Now, would you say that uh, BJ was the toughest opponent you ever faced? Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, okay. I mean every fight that I had, I mean it was tough. You know what I mean? Uh, I mean, like you train uh, just as hard for any fight, even even though you don't take anybody lightly. You know, you should never. If you're an intelligent fighter, you should never take anyone lightly. You know, you should train just you know very hard every fight. But I think BJ was was the fight that was was a test for me. You know, and I wanted to see uh, where I was at at the time. I was uh, undefeated, so I wanted to you know I wanted to fight the best. Uh, and then at the time, BJ was you know, the best, you know, at the time, so I wanted to test, I wanted to test myself against him. And do you think uh, you'd ever want to have a rematch with him, perhaps? Yeah, if it, you know, they give me a good offer, yeah, I would love to, you know. He's, uh, I have a lot of respect for him, I think he's a great fighter, but definitely would like a, a rematch, yeah. Or, uh, and it doesn't necessarily have to be MMA, could it uh, be in uh, jiu-jitsu or submission grappling? Would you like to meet him on the mat there? Um, 
I, I think MMA will be better. You know, I think that uh, he's been fighting MMA a lot now. Then, you know, I would prefer MMA than than grappling. Yeah. The, you, now you said I'll have to ask you again. Now, when did you say you won the uh, Abu Dhabi tournament? Was uh, 1998. And and uh, what weight class were you uh, competing at? It, uh, was uh, the weight class I think was uh, 88 uh, kilos, 88 kilograms. I think was yeah, about one like 195, one around that. I'm not sure. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I was actually I was actually the light lighter, uh, the lightest guy at the weight division because uh, my cousin was was fighting the one below, so I didn't want to fight in the same uh, same weight class as his. So I, I I actually moved up. So the guys that I fought, I they were heavier, you know. Uh, one of the guys that I fought was uh, Carlos Newton, and uh, the other one I fought at the end, uh, a tough Russian, was uh, Karim uh, Karim Barkalev was very tough guy I fought him for like 30 minutes uh, you know it kept going to overtime you know it was a very tough match and uh, see also uh, you had a match against uh, uh, Genki Sudo as well I mean he's he's somebody out of all the all the Japanese fighters that uh, I like to watch fight I find him to be one of the most entertaining and uh, how did you feel competing against him yeah, I was actually impressed with his uh, grappling skills, actually, you know, because, uh, you know, I tried to finish him, he escaped, you know, I won by points, but he was, you know, I mean, he, was, he surprised me because, you know, I didn't expect to be, uh, him to be as good as, as on the ground, you know, so, yeah, but he was very tough, jumping around, very flexible, very, like, you know, savvy, um, yeah, it was, it was, it was fun. Yeah, he, he's the type of fighter who uh, it doesn't matter if it's K1 uh, grappling or MMA. He likes to uh, likes to throw you out of your game plan by doing unorthodox things or a little bit of silliness, which actually works for him. Which which is why I like watching him compete. <laughs> he always entertains me. That's oh yeah, he's an entertainer. That's that's for sure. Yeah. He does the the robot thing and <laughs> walk backwards. It's, he's having a good time. That's you know that's, you, that's what matters, man. <laughs> now you said your uh, cousin was competing in the the weight class below you. Uh, which one? Which one was? Uh, Hans, Hanzo. Okay, so Hanzo was competing there. Yeah, because I know Hoyler also competed and Hanzo competed. Goes very deep right there as well. But, uh, I also looked on YouTube your very first MMA fight in uh, Vengeance at Vanderbilt. You fought somebody named uh, Kyle DeMello, and it just did not take long for you at all to take care of business. Right. You want to you want to tell us what you can about that fight? Yeah, actually, those fights actually because in New York they they didn't allow uh, no holds barred in. Uh, yeah. In New York, so they used to call it exhib uh, grappling exhibition. I remember at the time, Matt Sarah and Nick Sarah, uh, they were doing a couple fights uh, at, at this show, and I remember there was like uh, 
they, they, they didn't allow no no punches, you know. And then uh, I was going to do one where it was going to be just, you know, open hand. You could kick and you could strike to the body on the ground. But uh, I think the last minute, the guy was a kickboxer, you know. He just knew kickboxer. So it wasn't advantage uh, for him to, uh, you know, just uh, try to kick me and hit me with open hand. So he, he, he asked if he could do, like, you know what I mean, everything. Yeah. So then I accepted and said, yeah, yeah, okay, let's do everything. But in, in, in the tape says grappling exhibition, but actually because it was illegal, they couldn't call it uh, MMA or couldn't call it Noho's Bar. So that's why that fight, everything, you know, everything, you know, goes, everything was allowed. But um, but on the thing you say, it says grappling exhibition. So, of course, uh, I think back back in that day, you still uh, used to fight guys that were, like, one-dimensional, you know. They, they just knew, like, kickboxing. It was, like, uh, a guy that just knew sambo and a guy that just, you know, knew uh, boxing or a guy that just knew wrestling. So, uh, back in the day, you could, you know, uh, find guys like that. But nowadays, I think uh, now people know what's going on and, Everybody's cross-training, so a uh, little different right now. Now, that brings up one other question I have for you, too. Um, some have regarded you as the most well-rounded fighter in all the Gracie family that you, of course, have a ground game. I mean, you've got your jiu-jitsu, but uh, you're also known to have very good striking, too. You want to tell us a little bit uh, about how your training regiment there? Yes, I trained boxing for a few years. I think I trained boxing at Gleason's. I uh, I trained uh, kickboxing, uh, Muay Thai. I trained with uh, some a uh, few nurses, uh, students. You know, uh, Joe uh, trained him a little bit. Um, you know, a couple here and there. So in total, I've been I've been doing kickboxing for you know I mean for you know a long time, and I like to to just mix it up, you know, I just like to, I just don't want to be that guy that, that trying to grab the guy the whole fight, I want to, you know, you know, exchange a little bit and then maybe hit him a little bit so then the guy comes to me so then it's easier for you to take the, you know, your opponent down. I think uh, instead of you chasing the, your opponent, you, you punch him a little bit, you kick him and then he wants to give it back to you, he wants to hit you back so that's a good time for you to, uh, take him down and, and, and do your ground game, you know, so, and I, I think the hardest thing for uh, MMA fighters right now is to put everything together, that's the hardest thing, you know. Absolutely. Uh, you know, like, uh, I see a lot of guys, they're training uh, Muay Thai separately, and they train wrestling uh, separately, and they train Jiu-Jitsu separately. Yeah. It's okay to do that, but you also have to maybe twice or three times a week. They, you have to train where you do everything. You know, you start standing just like a fight, and you go to the ground. You keep going on the ground. You know, um, so that way you get used to the to the fight because that's that's the hardest thing I think. Uh, where you can punch the guy, so the guy opens up and you get him in the submission, and then if the guy defends the submission, that's when you punch. You know, so that I think that's the hardest thing to mix punches with the submissions and takedowns. I think that's the hardest thing to do. And I see guys that you know out there that do that very well nowadays, you know, like, uh, you know, Paulo, uh, Anderson Silva, uh, you know, Yoto Mashida, uh, those guys have a good strategy and they, you know, they, they know how to put things together. 
Absolutely. Now, after your fight with uh, Hayato Sakurai, you called out uh, Sakuraba wanting to fight him because he had already beaten four members of the Gracie family. And uh, it's still a, a loss uh, that you want to avenge for the family, but it, it never did happen. I just, I got to ask you, though, how did you feel when Hoist finally got that opportunity three years ago to avenge that loss? Well, I think, um, yeah, I think it was great. I was actually, uh, I was one of the main guys helping Hoist uh, uh, to fight Sakuraba. You know, I was just, I was happy that uh, he was going to fight him. It doesn't matter if it's me, uh, as long as I'm any, like somebody in the family that, uh, that was going to fight him and, and win, I'm happy with it, you know. So uh, I think um, the promoters, you know, I mean, I wanted to fight Sakuraba. The the promoters didn't give me the opportunity. They gave the opportunity to uh, to Hoist. Uh, I heard about it. I was happy, and you know, and I was actually I was training with Hoist every day. You know, like uh, just watching the Sakuraba tapes, and then you know, uh, and uh, me, him, and Hoyler, we you know we're all putting a strategy uh, together. You know, to to beat Sakuraba. So. And, uh, and it happened, which, you know, we were very happy about the outcome. Absolutely. And um, now I want to ask you a, a little bit. Uh, one thing uh, that's, that seems to be talked about on every website or in every book that's uh, written about the Gracies is the Gracie diet. Do you want to explain to our listeners a little bit about the Gracie diet? Yeah, the Gracie diet is mainly, uh, okay, there's no no red meat, uh, just uh, fish, you know, um, and you don't mix the cereals, like you don't mix uh, rice with beans, uh, you, don't, you don't mix the acid fruits, because uh, that becomes poison to your body. It causes a, a, a fermentation and your, your body doesn't digest well, so... It wears you down, you know, so it wears your resistance, you know what I mean? So uh, that's what the the diet that my grandfather, uh, he, he, you know, he created, he put it together. And, uh, and you know, we've been doing that since, you know, like, you know, he started studying that from uh, from Asia, actually. And then, and then he started, he used to put Elio to do it, Elio used to follow and. And it's great, great for endurance, you know, like I think people, they, you know, mix, uh, you know, I mean, uh, acid fruits and, and that's, that's bad for your body. So, um, so that's what the Grace Diet is all about, it's about the combination of the foods, you know, the, you know, they'll mix the cereals and they'll mix uh, the acid fruits because um, it causes a fermentation in your body and wears you down. That's pretty much it. Okay. Now I read somewhere it said that uh, that uh, injuries have bothered you and uh, that's why you haven't fought in a while. But uh, do you still plan to fight again in the uh, near future? Yes, I am. I actually uh, I'm healing up uh, now. You know, like uh, last I think last year was a was a bad year for me. I had like uh, a lot of injuries. Uh, you know, I was planning to fight, and uh, that didn't go through because, you know, because of that, it was kind of kicking me back. I would train for, like, a day or two, and then, like, I had to, like, just rest for, like, you know, three days because of injuries, you know. So um, I just took some time off a little bit and 
traveling out around the world doing some seminars now like I'm gonna start training again and uh, you know see what's out there you know I wanna definitely wanna fight again absolutely absolutely now I've got to ask you a couple of things here. Um, about a couple months ago, uh, Hollis Gracie entered the, the UFC and uh, unfortunately had a very poor performance. Um, uh, do, you, do you have anything uh, you, you want to say about uh, that loss? Or Well, I think, he, yeah, well, I got to agree. He, did, he didn't do good. You know, he guessed out, but uh, it's unfortunate people don't see his potential. You know what I mean? He's a great fighter. You know, I trained with him a couple of times, you know what I mean? I was leaving New York. Uh, he has a lot of potential, and uh, uh, maybe what happened, he had too much adrenaline and spent a lot of energy, and he guessed out. And uh, I think people should give him, you know what I mean, uh, another chance. He's a great fighter, trust me. He's one of one of the best fighters in the family, but unfortunately, uh, you know, I mean, he's, he's, uh, he only had uh, three fights. The, uh, the UFC was his fourth fight. So I think he, you know what I mean, I, I think if he gets more experience, he, he, he will, people will be able to see his true, you know what I mean, his full potential, you know, so that's what I think. Well, here's my take on it, and uh, I'll know I'll ask you if you agree or disagree. I have no doubt with the name Gracie that he is a great fighter. It's just that that was his first big show. He was a little, I think he got overwhelmed, and uh, uh, like you said, the uh, adrenaline may may have been too much for him. Uh, would you agree yeah, with that? Sometimes with adrenaline, people, people don't know that unless you're a fighter. You know what I mean? Uh, people that fought, even amateur professionals, doesn't matter. They know what it is. They know, like, man, if you, if you have too much adrenaline or if you put too much pressure on yourself, you spend more energy than you should, and of course you're gonna you're gonna guess out, and and I think that's probably you know uh, probably happened, but you know, but fortunately people didn't see his full potential, you know what I mean? And I think uh, if you give a chance, uh, you know, to my cousin, I think he, you know, I think he he will, you know. Now up to. I have to say, coming up in Abu Dhabi, I'm really excited about this because somebody told me a long time ago, you say, you like watching Hoist fight, you haven't seen nothing yet, here's Henzo. They put in the WCC and I watched Henzo fight and he was, I thought he was a more exciting fighter than Hoist. I loved watching him fight and here he is coming to the UFC and I'm excited to see him coming in, uh, taking on Matt Hughes. Um, are you helping him at all uh, train for this fight? Mm. Excuse me. No problem. Well, oh no, I'm I'm actually in California. Uh -huh. My cousin Hoyce, and uh, haven't seen Hanzo uh, in a while. But I'm I'm sure he's uh, training very hard. He uh, he always used to be. He's a great trainer. He's a great teacher. You know, I mean, he's a great fighter. And he's got plenty of good fighters to train in uh, in New York. So I haven't get the chance to uh, you know see him in a couple of years because you know I've been traveling so much. But I'm sure he has. Uh, Hans is one of the the guys in the family that has a very strong mind. You know, I mean, him and Hoyce, I think, is the two guys uh, in the family uh, now that have a very strong mind for fighting. And um, I admire because he's like 42. I think he's 42 or 43. And then and, you know, I mean, he's, he's 
still going out there and he's, you know, fighting. So uh, it's like... Well, I, I was there... Great. Yeah, I was there in uh, Mississippi when he fought Frank Shamrock, sitting cage side, and uh, unfortunate how that fight ended, but he totally dominated Frank Shamrock and, and just showed me that he's still got a few good years left in the sport. I mean, he did. He was so impressive that night. I mean, I, I didn't. I thought that. Uh, I didn't think Frank Shamrock would have such a hard time with him, to be honest with you. I underestimated Henzo a little bit, and I'm glad I did because Henzo's been one of my favorite fighters in the Gracie family for a long, long time. Yeah, he. Uh, yeah, I think uh, Hansel pretty much dominated Frank Shamrock. You know, I just I respect Frank Shamrock as a fighter, but I just don't think he's a uh, he, he's trash talking. You know, I mean the fighters, he's trash talking uh, my family. You know, I mean which. Uh, well, uh, I respect him as a fighter, but he trash talking. Uh, you know, I'm, the other I'm fighters. Gonna, I'm gonna. I'm going to say this right here, and I don't care if Frank Shamrock's listening. I was in the elevator with him at the hotel for that elite that night at Elite XC, and uh, he wouldn't speak to anybody. And there, there was there was just a bad vibe right there from the get go. There was something I didn't like about him, and I did I didn't want to be anywhere near him. I mean, this, seriously, I respect. Yeah, I never met. Old, huh? Yeah, I never met Ken. I met uh, I met Frank. I never met Ken, so I don't know about Ken. But you know, I mean, I met Frank, and uh, when I met him, he, he seemed like a nice guy and everything. But you know, yeah. And, and that's when I saw him talking trash about uh, you know me, and my family, and I was like, oh man, you know, thought the guy was a nice guy. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, one more question before we have to wrap this up here pretty soon. Um, you say you'd like to fight again, and and you obviously you're gonna fight again. Do you possibly know with uh, what organization? Uh, may, what could it be? A major organization like UFC or Strikeforce or Dream? Yeah, some oh for sure, something like that. Yeah. Okay. Some big organization. Well, uh, I want to give you a chance to uh, tell our listeners where you can be found on the internet, and I want to also give you a chance to uh, give a sh shout out to your sponsors. Yeah, um, I'm sponsored by Atama. You know, if you guys, you know, this is one of the best keys uh, out there. Um, you know, is www.atama.com. Uh, and then uh, I have two websites. I have one website, uh, website that teaches uh, that you can go, you can log in, you can download uh, moves to your iPod. You can watch, in, you know, in your iPod, or iPhone, uh, called virtualgracie.com. And uh, you have my personal uh, website, which is www.rodrigogracie.com. Rodrigo, it was a real pleasure having you here on the show. Thank you very much Thanks for your time. For, yeah. Thank you. Thanks uh, for, you know, having me and, you know, just for the, all, all the people out there, keep training, you know what I mean? Uh, you know, you need to train hard, train smart, make sure you don't, you know, you don't get injured, eat well. Absolutely. And, you know, have some fun, you know. And uh, best of luck to you in the near future. All right. Thank you. Okay. And there you have the interview that uh, I conducted 11 years ago with Rodrigo Gracie. All right, time to go to our next music set. Coming up, we have a new one from my cousin Cliff Miller. We also have Edge of Paradise, A Filthy Sound, 
Erica Dawn, and Modern Echo in the mix. Be right back after this. How dare you and who in the hell fuck do you think you are? You're listening to Outlaw Radio, where we're proper gentlemen, because we always ask... Do you mind if I fart? You really know how to waste a Cialis, don't you? You're abusing my fan. Nails. Let's hang them in a tree and use sheets for sails. Pirates on the open sea, headed far away. The super soakers in our hands. There's no time to make better plans. Cause June is where I wanna be. In my hometown under a tree. Ten years old in that dry heat. Staying cooler in the shade. Take a ride Down to the dock We'll build a ramp And fly into the water Make a splash That always made me laugh I gotta tell you That sounds nice It's hard to find the time To enjoy this life With all the trouble Nine to five Can't seem to bring you away As I get older I realize Judy! 
right here, right now, you and me. Let's make some new memories that we'll sing about someday. Comes home straight from work. A man get up work, he got to go somewhere. He got to drink something. He got to smoke something. He got to watch the game. He got to hang with his boys. He got to take a drive. He got to do something that will mentally prepare him for all the talking he gonna hear when he get home. Ladies, ladies, it ain't that you talk too much. You just talk too much as soon as we get in the let a man get situated. We don't need to hear everything right away. As soon as you take one step in, you're gonna believe that. Hey, let me get my other foot in the fucking dog. Let me get something to eat. Let me get something to drink. Let me take a shit. Go in the fucking kitchen and give me my big piece of chicken.
shit Wanna creep up, drop up and fuck a clip Won't stop, I'll drop till you die and quit Queuing up for rocks, no survival tip I cried, cried, cried. Over the walls of a brother Never wanna lose another Can't imagine being but his father Or his mother Drowning in the tears like rain With the pain I cannot smother The only way to make it clear Is to say it again If you see K-H-E-R-O-I-N Because the viewers and the boys And the phones and friends I lost a brother to a something to us like that Heroines out of control is blowing up the nation Dealers wanna be their own entrepreneurs Leaving the bars all fucked up and stuck up in the sewers But I'm not talking down to the low men Just wanna tell you why I'm here If you ever think you need a hit Cause we gotta stand up to the man slinger boy There's nothing worse than a mother losing her pride and joy Just wanna let you know I've been there before Stepping the lowest of my life and always asking for more But I've heard that you now Take my time to make a plan And I'm gonna tell you my method of now Gonna find that dope man who dealt my bro Gonna hit him up, ask him to drop me a note As soon as I got him in my sights Making it right, put him through the What's good, bro? Not much. Got that shit. Fuck you. F U C K H E R O I N. F U C K H E R O I N. F U C K H E R O I N. F U C K H E R O I N. Wish not to come searching to feeling numb to lost to find the beating of our own drugs instead of the what we've become bleeding from the gum. Death is a final absolute greatest. Some another brother late to rest. Took his final test Keep our heads up But it's hard to feel blessed Pain in my chest But I never would've guessed Could've been anything You would've been the best Now my mind is obsessed And I hope they got the best Every day like that I cross I'm always gonna rest Look in my eyes Mother sheds a tear As another soul flies This is gonna be Selling death to those Ignoring their cries Time to realize Tell it to another Cause I'm seeing through your lies Troubled eyes as she started to speak 
She looked at a pitiful shack and then she looked at me and took a ragged breath. Did your paws run off? I'm really sick and the baby's gonna starve to death. She handed me a heart-shaped rocket to send to thine own self the truth. And I shivered as I watched a roach crawl across the toe of my high-heeled shoe. Sounded like somebody else that was talking, asking, Mama, what do I do? She said, just be nice to the gentleman, fancy, and they'll be nice to you. She said, here's your one chance, fancy, don't let me down. She said, here's your one chance, fancy, don't let me down. Lord, forgive me for what I do, but if you want help, well, it's up to you. Now, don't let me down, now your mama's gonna move you up to Then I'd have left that rickety shack The welfare people came and took the baby Mama died and I ain't been back But the wheels of fake started to turn And for me there was no way out Wasn't very long till I knew exactly what my mama been talking about She knew what I had to do And I made myself this solemn vow Gonna be a lady someday Though I didn't know when or how Though I couldn't see spending the rest of my life With my head hung down in shame You know I might have been born Just plain white trash Fancy was my name Here's your one chance Fancy don't let me down Here's your one chance Fancy don't let me down And one week later, I was pouring his tea in a five-room hotel suite. I charmed a king, a congressman, and an occasional aristocrat. Now I've got me a Georgia mansion in an elegant New York townhouse flat.
In South Africa, genocide of white people, black-on-white violence, is rampant and ongoing. The South African mainstream media has kept this genocide hush-hush, and South Africa's politicians have been silent about it. It's time for the silence to end. Enter USAC, the United South Africa Coalition. USAC Incorporated comprises groups and individuals around the world working together to create public global awareness of the genocide in South Africa and to develop community restoration programs that will make South Africa a safe place for all races to thrive. To join USAC and for more information about USAC and what you can do, 
visit usac.center. That's U-S-A-C dot center. USAC, working to bring back a safe, truly unified South Africa. This is the Renegade Show. You have three different scenarios here, and I'll give them to you. No, I said scenarios, not Cheerios. Coming to you coast to coast and around the world on your favorite radio station. How did you get Cheerios from scenarios? All right, it's time for the Renegade Pick of the Week countdown. Here we go, counting it down all the way to number one. Who farted? Yeah, we'd like to welcome you to the Renegade family. Does anybody even remember Doogie Hauser? I think it's fair to warn you that by listening to this show, you're committing a misdemeanor in four states. Three children are asking their parents where babies come from. Two children run away, and one mother ends up crying by the end of the show. This is the Renegade Show. Go to Facebook.com slash Radio Chris Master to find out days, times, and stations of where you can catch the Renegade Show. Left-wing community organizers and campus radicals in Idaho want to indoctrinate Idaho kids from cradle to college, teaching them hate America propaganda, that white people are inherently racist, gun rights are evil, and it's okay to swap genders. Idaho state representatives will vote soon on Senate Bill 1193 that would give $6 million to a leftist organization that teaches this nonsense to Idaho's youngsters. You can stop this. Join Idaho Freedom Action to put an end to this leftist takeover of education in Idaho. Visit IdahoFreedomAction.org. Join the fight against Idaho Senate Bill 1193. Visit IdahoFreedomAction.org today. IdahoFreedomAction.org. Support Outlaw Radio and friends and buy some cool stuff in the store section of OutlawRadioABS.com. Show the world how much you love Outlaw Radio with Outlaw Radio t-shirts and hats. In the CTM store, a service of Caravan to Midnight, find items to help make your life easier and better, including water purification by Berkey, delicious long-term storable food by My Patriot Supply, the New Eden Nutritional Support System, the Ionic Toothbrush System, a better way to clean your teeth, the Invisible Mask, a negative ion generator, that hangs from your neck like a pendant that mitigates incoming pollution. The high ion bio key quantum scalar energy pendant, EMF mitigating fabrics and clothing, and some really cool infrared night vision binoculars. In the Cranked Up Coffee Shop, a service of Cranked Up Live. Entertain your taste buds with coffee that even the aficionados love. Some of the best blends from around the world, including Serato and Grindhouse Brew. Visit outlawradioabs.com and click on the store link. A service of Outlaw Radio and AOW Productions. Building in a little hick town. This is Outlaw Radio. I'm not in a mood to deal with you today, you stupid asshole. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Outlaw Radio, brought to you by Coldcock Whiskey. Raise your glass, take your shot. You must be 21 years of age or older to drink. Hunter Athletic, Gear Up, Let's Train, and USAC, the United South Africa Coalition. Go to USAC.center. For more information, actually, uh, you can find them on Facebook if the uh, website is not working. Anyway, the songs you just heard, you just heard Modern Echo with The Chosen. Before that, 
Erica Dawn with her cover of Reba McIntyre's Fancy. Before that, a filthy sound with Fuck Heroin. I like the sound of that. Before that, Edge of Paradise and Breakaway. And starting off the whole set, of course, my cousin Cliff Miller, he's come out with uh, four more songs over the past few months, and uh, you just heard the latest single, that's called June. Yeah, the month that uh, we're ending right now. All right, so I think it's time to uh, listen for The Steve Solution. The best advice I can give you, if you've got a good job, stay in it. If you are, in fact, in a position where you have a decent job, don't fuck that up. And if you are not in a great job, keep looking, and when one comes available that you are qualified for, or even close to qualified for, go apply, interview, do whatever you can to get into a better position. This is The Steve Solution with Stephen James on Outlaw Radio. And as always... Who came up with the Steve Solution is none other than the founder of AOW Productions, the icon, Stephen James. What's up, brother? What's going on, Billy? (laughs) Can't complain. (laughs) Well, then you're doing it wrong. And what's going on, Outlaw Radio? Nice to be back again. Obviously, we hadn't planned on uh, doing the show or the segment again quite so soon, but as Billy's already explained, his plans kind of got hijacked. So, yeah, here we are, and I'm obviously happy to be back again. And I thought we'd talk a little something different than just your traditional political stuff and, you know, some of the more mainstream news stories. I want to talk this week a little bit about everybody's favorite place, Hollywood, and namely people in the entertainment industry and why it is that first off why they feel that their opinions should matter and for god's sakes why is it that their opinions actually matter to an unfortunately large portion of the population if a celebrity says do this people actually go out and do it and it thoroughly amazes me that such a large portion of our population lives and dies by the whims of a group of people that are literally mentally ill. And I don't mean that necessarily in a bad way, but in order for uh, entertainers, actors and actresses specifically to reach a place where they can deliver the kind of performances that they deliver on screen, there's a level of mental illness there, and a good many of them have admitted it. Oh, without a doubt, Stephen. Let, let me ask you this. So, as much as I can't stand Justin Bieber, he still has a pretty decent following, especially with young teeny bopper girls. But how much do you want to bet that uh, if, he, if he said that uh, he's going to eat dog shit because... It's the cool thing to do, and, of course, he's going to cheat, and he's going to eat, eat a piece of chocolate, and, but he wants all his fans to eat dog shit. How many do you think are going to be dumb enough to fucking do it? 
I would say probably most of them because you've got to be a pretty significant moron to be a Justin Bieber fan <laughs> to begin with. I mean, let's take a look at this guy just for a quick second. Number one, he rose to fame based on one particular song, Shot Him to the Top, and I still don't know why, because out of all the great lyrics in music out there, you play a lot of them here on Outlaw Radio, there's a lot of great bands out there, you know, the Beatles, the Stones, Zeppelin, the Eagles, uh, a gentleman that I'm going to be seeing next month in Nashville, Tennessee, uh, Garth Brooks, performers that are out there putting out these wonderfully written heartfelt, beautiful songs. This little lesbian. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, he looks like a, you know, 35 year old lesbian girl. So. <laughs> and nothing against lesbians. Now I think there should be more of them. Just cause hey, you know, I'm, Hey, I'm a lesbian trapped in a man's body. Uh, yeah, I think that's part of the uh, LGBTQTCYBECWWETNAAEW plus thing, whatever they call that. I've been saying that for years, though. But literally, Justin Bieber rose to fame from a song, and the lyrics are, and I quote, Baby, 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 baby. Baby, 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 oh, baby, 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 baby. How the fuck did that shit ever get popular? I don't know. I I seriously don't fucking know. But one thing that was pointed out in his concerts, I got to say this. There was an enraged parent because their kid sat front row and center You know, they were big Bieber fans. And Bieber comes out on the stage, sagging his pants. And I mean sagging, doing the fucking, this bullshit where everybody sees your fucking underwear. And he's reaching out and touching this kid, you know, touching this kid's hand, whatever, with his fucking ass hanging out of it, you know. Sure, doing the shagging shuffle. And then, of course, you know, he's always there. For Floyd Mayweather, so I i mean, for for him just to be there, I'm pretty sure he's given Floyd Mayweather something special. Uh, you know, for you know, a young lesbian woman, I'm sure he's got a very tight pussy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, shit. But, I mean, you're talking about a guy who's committed multiple crimes, most of them small, you know, egging his neighbor's house. Uh, public urination in the janitor's bucket, spitting on uh, spitting on his fans, literally spitting on his fans. Because that's the cool thing to do? I don't fucking get this bullshit. It's swag, yo. And so this is what's in. Yeah. And I mean, that's the, you know, the tip of the iceberg with Hollywood. I... The, you know, there's a podcast I, I there's, listen to. Oh, oh, yeah, there's more. There's definitely more. But, I mean, the, the, one of the uh, shows that I listen to that I'm not going to name has a theme song for Justin Bieber whenever they you know talk about him. And the lyrics to their theme song are, 
Justin Bieber, nobody really needs you. Why? Because you're a little cunt. <laughs> well, God, that's uh, sound be- sounds better than baby, 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 oh, baby. I'm telling you, but I mean, you know, that's a that that's just you know the typical the iceberg when it comes to to Hollywood. We have the whole thing that is the Kardashians and your Paris Hiltons, your Lindsay Lohans, just literally ignoring the law, ignoring common sense. I mean, for God's sakes, Kim Kardashian named her firstborn North. West makes no fucking sense. Well, I mean, if you're naming your kid after a compass or map points, sure. I mean, uh, props to uh, Paris Hilton, though. I'll give her some credit. She's a Trump supporter, so I'll give her that. You know, I can give her that much, but at the same time, I don't know why she's, there's no reason for her to be famous. Kim Kardashian and by proxy, the rest of that godforsaken, insane family got famous because she blew a fucking rapper on video. Well, it all started those, uh, where did, where did Kardashian start at the very beginning of what, uh, OJ Simpson. Well, the, you know, it actually started a lot further back than that. Uh, and I forget the name of the kicker for the Buffalo Bills in the 70s that missed a game-winning kick that cost them that particular game, which bumped them up in the NFL draft and enabling them to draft O.J. Simpson. So I blame that kicker for all of this shit. Well, that, I think you're talking about Ray Finkel. Uh, could be, but I think that's the guy from Ace Ventura. <laughs> that is, that is, yes. And Finkel is Einhorn, and Einhorn is Finkel. <laughs> Einhorn is a man! <laughs> oh, there's another perfect Hollywood nut job for you there <laughs> in Jim Carrey. Oh, you, you know, that, that cocksucker, what he said is, uh... I don't remember what it was verbatim, but he's a fucking communist. And, uh, you know, he comes from commie Canada, which is, well, that's what it is now if you really look into it, but that's another story for another time. But he's talking about what a good thing socialism will be. But he doesn't, he seems to forget that Hollywood was not built on communism. It was built on capitalism. Not to mention the fact that, I mean, I okay, fine, you're Canadian, and, you know, he's stated that many, many times. You know, I'm a proud Canadian. Why the fuck don't you live in Canada? Uh, please go back there and take Justin Bieber with you. But you sit there and do all these long-winded rants about gun control. Uh, Has he ever even seen a real firearm? I seriously doubt it. So what the hell is he bitching about? Well, simple. Just uh, leave him unarmed in the streets of Chicago, and he'll understand when he wants a gun real fucking bad. He wouldn't know what to do with it. 
Yeah, I'd probably shoot his dick off. I mean, this, this this is a guy that jumped on the anti-vax campaign with the brilliant mind that was his girlfriend at the time, Jenny McCarthy. So there's a winning combination, Jenny McCarthy and... Hey, I liked her in Playboy. Yeah, well, that's probably the best spread she's ever done. <laughs> and it's definitely the best acting. <laughs> but seriously, they... You know, and Hollywood doesn't know whether to shit or go blind because, you know, she's a hardcore, insane liberal. So they want to, you know, sit there and pat her on the head and go, what a good girl you are. But at the same time, you know, she's an anti-vaxxer and they want to go, well, she's also very stupid. So they can't make up their mind whether to shit or go blind with this girl. <laughs> then you have, oh, and this is my favorite thing I've seen recently. Uh, and I got to say, you know, typically I don't listen to a lot of things by people that are decidedly liberal yeah. as far as in-depth things like podcasts. I mean, as far as a movie or a TV show, I'll forget their political shit unless it's just completely too insane for me to ignore. But when it comes to something like podcasts, if it has too much liberal shit, and his usually does, I won't listen to it. And that person is Kevin Smith. And I will admit, you know, yeah, he's a nut job liberal, but I find him honestly, generally endlessly entertaining. However, this past week, actually earlier this week, I believe, he was, uh, he does well, like a dozen podcasts, but uh, one of his uh, biggest ones is called Fat Man Beyond. Used to be called Fat Man on Batman. Oh, wait, you're you're talking about uh, Silent J, ain't you? Uh, yeah, or Silent Bob. Silent Jay Bob. Jay, yeah. yeah, I got those two mixed up. Sorry, apparently he says people confuse him for Kevin James all the time too. So, okay, how the fuck is that possible? Uh, first name. <laughs> That's really it. And they were both fat. Yeah. <laughs> and now Kevin Smith looks anorexic, but that's a whole other issue. But, uh, recently on, uh, Fat Man on, uh, Fat Man Beyond, they got to do their first live show in like 15 months, uh, in Los Angeles. And one of the things he talked about at the beginning of the podcast as he's going to be doing a bunch of stuff in New Jersey with the guys from comic book men and all that kind of stuff. And he was asking them about the mask policy at his comic book store in New Jersey. And he was told that oh, the masks are still required because one person there, uh, apparently, you know, took it upon himself to go, I don't want the fucking vaccine, which, you know, Hey, good for him because I don't want it either. I ain't going to get the fucking thing. End of story. I mean, you know, when it, when it gets real FDA approval and they learn to control all the fucking side effects and all that kind of shit, and when people that have the vaccine stop getting COVID, then I'll think about it. But for right now, no, I'm going to pass. But he got a little pissed off about an employee of his not wanting to get the vaccine 
but he was told you can't fire him because that's against the law. He said, fine, I won't fire him, but I won't hire him to be in the movie I'm getting ready to shoot. So he told the guys like, you know, you can't be in the movie unless you get the vaccine. What the fuck? Oh, that's a bunch of fucking bullshit right there. That shit makes me mad. Yeah, he was told by uh, uh, the person that, you know, does a bunch of shit for him that, you know, one of the managers of his company, quote, you can't, or no, I'm sorry, he said, quote, you can't fuck with a person's job, but you can fuck with their next job. That's how, and he literally, he was like proud. He's telling the story on a, not only on a podcast, but to a room full of fucking people, you know, there for the recording of the podcast. And he was proud about the fact that he's like, I told this guy he couldn't, you know, be in the movie unless he got a vaccine. And the next day he sends me a picture of his vaccination card. You know, it's a violation. That is a, that's a complete total violation of one's rights there. You know, but, to Stephen, uh, let me ask. Let me ask you to do this real quick. Go through a list you can, because uh, you did this a little bit last week. But let's do it again. A list of some Hollywood actors who actually have a brain in their head and they can think for themselves, and that because of that, they're having a tough time getting work right now. Well, uh, you know, the weird thing is the list probably would be a hell of a lot longer. Uh, one of the people on that list, uh, John Voight. Yep. Wonder, wonderful, wonderful actor. Ugly son of a bitch, though. Oh, he's fucking hideous, but, you know, he <laughs> yeah. plays into that. He knows it. Yeah. But, you know, he's gone on record as saying... There's a lot more conservatives in Hollywood than you would even believe, but they won't come out and say it publicly because they know their career will be fucked if they come out as being a conservative. Uh, One of them, I believe, is Adam Sandler. You know, I don't know that Adam Sandler has completely come out as being conservative. Uh Uh, He's kind of hinted at it. And also, his career is on a, you know, kind of a downward trend. He's doing a lot of really bad movies for Netflix. Uh, Not that I blame him for the movies being bad, even though he's pretty much in charge of them. But Netflix wrote a really, 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 really big check to him. And if he can turn in crap and cash that check, you know, good for him. But, yeah, his movies are fucking awful. Uh, a frequent co-star of his, Rob Schneider, is a conservative. And not that Rob Schneider is a great actor or anything like that, but he is very good in the right roles. He can be extremely hilarious. Uh, you take a look at, uh, like, uh, Deuce Bigelow, Mel Gigolo is fucking hilarious, and he's hilarious in it. I just bet lot of really you know extremely funny stuff yeah but again painted with a conservative brush now we're 
you know, the only person that hires him now is Adam Sandler, you know, a fellow conservative. He got fired from, or they stopped airing a commercial that he starred in, uh, and I forget the company, uh, but basically he was just uh, reprising his Saturday Night Live role of, you know, uh, making copies, all right, Steve Reno making copies, oh, getting God. coffee. You know, that that horrible I, character. That annoyed the shit out of me whenever that right, was But on. it was an enormously popular character. <laughs> anyway, he did. He reprised the role, I don't know, five, six years ago in a commercial. But because he had tweeted some pro-Republican things, they literally fired him. Well, not so much fired as they, you know, the company's just like, nope, we're not going to air this commercial anymore because and, Snow, Snowflake's got their feelings hurt. And the same thing, uh, you know, Gina Carano is only speaking the truth and she doesn't want to get the vaccine. She knows that these fucking masks are a goddamn joke. And uh, she's putting it out there. I mean, first off, you, you, you're, you're an anti-masker. That's one way of being a, what am I trying to say? Uh, a racist. Right. You don't want to wear a mask, so, so you're a racist. Um, last last I knew, uh, especially white supremacist racists do wear masks with uh, funny hats. Yeah, and little holes cut out so they can see. Yeah. Now, that, that's still one of the one of the big ones is that how in the hell does Disney fire you know Gina Carino or Carano <laughs> and technically they're like we didn't fire her we just didn't hire her for the next season whatever it's called firing don't sugarcoat it and don't bullshit me right you know if you're gonna do it then why fucking lie about it you know, be straight up. We didn't like what she said, so, you know, we cut her fucking contract. Meanwhile, Disney rehired James Gunn to direct the next Guardians of the Galaxy movie. And yet he, you know, went to a party dressed literally as a, uh, you know, people from, uh, I think it was a costume party based on To Catch a Predator. And all his weird-ass tweets from years ago. And I'm not saying you shouldn't, you know, fire him for that. As a matter of fact, I'm sure, well, I'm not sure, but I don't think that James Gunn's a pedophile. But you literally took a guy that was mocking child molestation and being a pedophile, and you're like, oh, no, he's cool. Because, you know, he's liberal and he, you know, toes the line. How is it that he's not fired, but she is? And a lot of that has to do with the fact that, you know, Dave Batista, who's a, you know, world-renowned fucking moron. <laughs> uh, do you hear what his latest, uh, latest role is? No, but I, I did hear I did hear that he doesn't want to play Drax anymore because uh, he's getting old and doesn't want to work out and doesn't want to work without a shirt on. Uh, he uh, 
should probably understand that CGI is a thing. Well, you remember back in the mid-80s, uh, a long, boring science fiction called Dune? Oh, yeah, no, I know he's in that. He actually... Yeah, he's in the remake of Dune. He, he actually... Yeah, he's... Uh, he can't... He Apparently, he's a very big fan of it, and he, uh, much like Samuel L. Jackson uh, did wanted to, to be in Star Wars... He kind of did the same thing. He was like, I'll do anything. Just, you know, put whoever's dick in my mouth that you need to. I want to be in this movie. <laughs> and, I mean, a little credit to Samuel L. Jackson. He didn't quite say that. Uh, <laughs> although he he did make a liar out of himself because at once he was very famous for saying, I will do anything in Hollywood, but I will never play a slave. And then, you know, they announced the Star Wars prequels, and he, you know, sent a message to George Lucas saying, I will be a slave. I don't care. I want to be in Star Wars. Oh. Admirable. Fair enough. And then he turns around in Django Unchained and plays a slave. And what was that slave's name? You know, I don't remember. Oh, come on. you oh, don't. wait. It, it was Steven. God damn it. How <laughs> did I not remember that? Shit. Because... <laughs> You're past 40 now. Uh, yeah, it's got to be what it is. It's a yeah. post-40 mental breakdown. I thought you were about to say menopause, and I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> but, um, you know. Wait, as, do they have male menopause? I don't know, but uh, they're got to talk about this sometime. It's just, I got to throw this out there, is that there are trans, so-called transgender women that believe that they can menstruate. They believe... What the fuck? What the holy fuck? What are you trying to say? Transgender people... What them? That they have a fucking period. No. Well, that's nice. Now, who the fuck cares for... I mean, it's it's Uh, not fucking possible. I I, I think that means they just busted a stitch. (laughs) (laughs) Damn. But I want before. Hold, hold, hold on a second. That actually reminds me of one one thing about Hollywood too. Uh, lately, the big trend is you have, in order to play a certain type of individual, you have to be that individual. Uh, a big example of that: in order to play a transgender person, you have to be a transgender person. Or in order to play a gay or lesbian person on a film or TV show, that you actually have to be this. Okay, but uh, we got to move on. We are running out of time. Um, but so, how how is it you want to end this segment? What where is the Steve solution? Oh well, well first off, the Steve solution. By the way, how much time do I have? We got about five minutes. Five minutes, okay. First off, I want to read to you the top ten celebrities of 2020 because we don't have a 2021 list. And I just want to talk a little bit about charitable donations. Uh Uh-huh. Because, you know, these people make all the fucking money in the world, and yet they're out there, almost all of them, telling all of us that we need to give. 
And most of these people are worth hundreds upon hundreds, if not billions of dollars. So number one is The Rock. And I am a Rock fan. I like The Rock. However, I don't like the fact that he made $87.5 million in 2020. And he wants to tell me that I need to give more. So fuck you. Number two was Ryan Reynolds at $71.5 million. He did, however, donate roughly 2 to $3 million along with his wife to various charities. But again, tells us we need to give more. Number three was Mark what? Wahlberg at $58 million. Uh, unfortunately, nothing listed about his charitable donations, but likes to tell people to give. However, his brother Donnie does pretty good. Uh, I don't know how much money he makes, but he likes to leave $1,000 tips at restaurants, so good on Donnie Wahlberg. Not Mark what? Wahlberg. I think we got a Transformer. Number four, Kevin Smith's good buddy, Ben Affleck. Batman himself made $55 million last year. No word on his charitable contributions, although he does like to give a lot of money to the Democrat uh, Democratic Party, but uh, no concrete figures. He does tip well, mm -hmm. at least when he's not with Jennifer Lopez, but he's with Jennifer Lopez. And she was known in Vegas back when I worked there, literally would reach across the game, uh, the blackjack okay. table and take the tip back. Okay, just uh, let's get to the last two because the clock is ticking. So, Well, let's, uh, okay, we'll just do the top five then. Uh, number five, Mr. Groot himself, Mr. Marvel, Mr. It's All About Family. Vin Diesel made $54 million. Mm -hmm. Unknown amount of charitable contribution. However, he does own over 30 cars. 30 cars. So when you see Vin Diesel talking about anything as far as you should give to this charity. You need to be generous because it's about family. I hate to say it. We're down to like one minute. So, All right. Well, that's it. That, yeah. That's the top five. All right. And fuck all of these people. Uh, there was some, there was a couple of good ones in there, but uh, most of them are yeah. just total dickheads. All right. At any rate, since we are down to about 30 seconds, I want to remind everyone, if you have a topic, solution, questions, comments, you can email us here at the Steve Solution, all one word, at gmail.com, or you can call and leave a voicemail, and just remember, it may be played on the air, at one seven three two nine six two four eight two four. that's 732-YO-BITCH, or, of course, at the Outlaw Radio Hotline, too. All right. 
So for what's on tap next week is yet to be determined. Going to go ahead and end the show with a brand new one from Silent Theory. This one's called The Price. Silent Bob? <laughs> no, si Silent Theory. That's the oh, name of the band. Bad. My bad. All right. So with that said, y'all have a good night, and I'll be back next week. Are you tired of modern pop music that sounds like a dog fucking a squeaky toy? Well, that's why you're listening to Outlaw Radio. We tell bad bed music to piss up a rope. We give you our opinions, and if a fight breaks out, so fucking what? This is Outlaw Radio.
what I paid for This is what I want This is what I care for This was what I lost This is what I paid for Hey everyone, Bad Billy here Do you own a business? Or perhaps you're in a band. Or maybe you run a radio show or podcast. Whatever you do, you want to market your brand with custom-made apparel. Look no further than fresh-baked tees. T-shirts, hoodies, tank tops, caps, beanies, koozies, banners, and even masks. You can get them all custom-made from fresh-baked tees. Prices are reasonable and negotiable. Simply go to freshbakedtees.com, submit your logo, and place your order today. If you've been searching for a show that talks about what's trending in the world, entertainment gossip, stupid news, and more, sizzling talk radio that is not dumbed or watered down, a show that is not for pussies, then you need to stop searching and check out the Charles Richardson Show. It's uncensored talk radio. No crybabies. No losers. No futtards. Charles Richardson and crew bring it 100% with real opinions. If you can't take it, Get the fuck out. You can even call the show and flap your gums, provided you have a brain. For the 411 stations and showtimes, like The Charles Richardson Show on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash The Charles Richardson Show. Some material may not be suitable for children under 18. The Charles Richardson Show. You want some? Come get some. I was a normal 20-year-old college student. When I moved into off-campus housing, they boasted that it was safe. Not a single incident since it had opened. I was the first. I woke up in the middle of the night, suffocating. Shut up, he said. Don't say a word. For the next two hours, I knew I was going to die. And there was nothing I could do. Now I'm a mother of two. And if that predator, or anyone else, tries to harm me or my family, they have to come through my firearm first. I will never be unarmed or utterly vulnerable ever again. The only reason I can say that is because the NRA fought for my rights before I ever knew that I needed them. I'm the National Rifle Association of America, and I'm freedom's safest place. Hi, it's the Big Voice Guy. The one who intros and promos the show you're listening to right now. Hi, my name is Jim Hunt. I voice for a growing list of internet and terrestrial radio stations, podcasts, and businesses. I'd love to spread the word about yours, too. No matter if the message is serious or silly. Whether you want the delivery to be hard-hitting, voice of authority, or conversational, warm, and fuzzy. From fully produced station imaging and commercials to custom phone system messages on hold and IVR prompts, voiceovers for computer games to narrations for presentations, even post-production audio editing and audio cleanup services. Yeah, I do them too. I'm your guy. I do business as Jim Hunt voiceovers and audio services. My rates are reasonable and negotiable because I love internet radio too. Visit my website, jimhuntvo.com. 
I'm Jim Hunt, at your service. Put my voice and audio production skills to work for you. Let's do this. You have been listening to Outlaw Radio. Be sure to leave your feedback by calling 208-957-7016. All feedback is played and replied to on the show. Visit our official website at outlawradioabs.com. Outlaw Radio is a presentation of AOW Productions. Well, here I am sitting on a porch writing another song. Wailing, Willie, David Allen, cool. You can't go wrong. You're such great outlaw boys, just like me. Man, can't you see? Because you can't go wrong with one good outlaw song. The outlaw song. Jones. You can't go wrong. You can't go wrong. 